Thank you. Well, good morning. It is a great, great privilege to be sharing God's Word with you this morning, to be with you. My wife said to me, every time we come here, it rains, so I'm not sure why that is. Maybe they can call me Jonah, and I'm in the, yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, we brought the rain, all right? So you're welcome if you needed it, if you're mad. Someone else brought it, marked it, but uh, it's such a joy just to be with you. I do appreciate the partnership and friendship that we do have with you guys. I'm delighted that I'm not a guest speaker here, that you can receive not just another message, but also to hear what it is God has to say. And, um, you know, I, I want you to know that when preachers preach, if they are worth, or, or worth their salt, they are preaching what God's speaking to them, not just what God wants to say to others. And I think it's good for people to hear that because we don't just come with our latest and greatest word and here it is and present it to you and say, do with it what you will. It's God speaking to all of us. And I'm super grateful that God is not a silent God. How many of you know we need to hear God like never before? And there's so many voices, and I'm not getting into all that's going on out there, but there's so many voices, so many people telling us what to do, what we can do, what we shouldn't do. And I'm trusting more and more that we as the people of God are able to silence those voices to hear the voice that matters most, to help us be who He's called us to be in this season through the season into what he has for us. And so I do want to just, again, thank you for the opportunity. It's a real privilege. I'm going to ask you, please, to turn in your Bibles to the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. I was meeting with a bunch of pastors this week, and one of them reminded me, Tyron, your job, you're not a CEO, you're, not, you're a CRO. And uh, I wasn't quite sure what they meant by that. They went on and said, your job is you're the chief reminding officer. <laughs> And I wasn't sure how to take that, but I do think there is something in that call that we call to be reminded again and again and again. And so I'm not sure this will be new for anyone. I hope it's not. But I do want to say this. I believe it's fresh, and I do believe it's from, the, from, from God for us to receive and to hear. And not asking, do we know this? The question is, are we living in this? Are we willing to do what it is that God has called us to? In 2019, and I know I've probably shared some of these stories with you, but in 2019... Uh, it was about November of 2019. I was preaching at a, a conference in Toronto, Canada. And I was preaching on the need to get back to prayer. I felt like God was really challenging me and us and the church in North America to get back to prayer. And it's an obvious thing, but it's amazing how few people were praying and certainly how few churches were praying. And, and, I, and I preached a little bit around that. And after that meeting, one of my friends who's a prophetic man who's on our translocal team came to me and he said, you know, I had a dream last night. And I'm just going to be honest, when prophets dream, I get nervous and for many reasons, but what are they going to come up with next? And, and he said, I had this dream last night. I said, okay, great. Tell me about your dream. And he said, well, I dreamt that I was driving this vehicle and it was full of people and I was driving it to an NCMI prayer meeting. And he said, and I dropped everybody off at that prayer meeting, and then I went and parked my vehicle, and then I began to walk towards the prayer meeting, and I, I realized that I'd left my Bible and my notes in the vehicle. And so he said he, he went back to the vehicle to get his Bible and his notes, but the vehicle was gone. And he said he was pretty troubled by the vehicle being taken away, but he also was troubled more so because his notes and his Bible 
were in the vehicle. And so he began walking back to the prayer meeting that we were hosting and we all came out of that prayer meeting and and said, where were you? Uh, And and we missed you. And interesting, on the way to the prayer meeting, he found just his Bible, not his notes, but just his Bible as he began walking back. And he said, I feel the Lord saying this, that the vehicle represents church and ministry and it disappeared. This was 2019, November, pre-COVID hitting the world. And he said it represented, I feel like it represents ministry and the church. And for a season, a moment, it was taken. And he said, but I feel God saying whatever lies ahead, it's going to require prayer because I was on my way to a prayer meeting and the Word of God because I found the Word of God in the sidewalk. Not my notes, but God's Word. And so I kind of, to be honest, thought, great, that confirms what I'm preaching. We need to be praying more. A few months later, the whole world shut down. And we can go into the whole story of what happened with COVID. I, I don't want to, but this I want to tell you. I, I eventually phoned this guy and I said, did you know this thing was going to happen, this COVID thing? I know the church didn't shut down, but we stopped and were forced in a moment to do things differently. The way we were doing things shifted and stopped. And for a season, the whole world did get shut down. And, and I said, did you know this was going to happen? He said, no, I did not. But I do want to say what I want to highlight out of this is God gave us a clear warning to stick to His Word and stick to prayer because it's those two things that matter most when it comes to walking into what God has for us. And I'm pretty sure none of you, if you're a believer here this morning, would disagree with that. But the challenge is, as I've gone back to the Word of God, please hear me this morning, when I've gone back to God's Word, because I believe we are about God's Word. I've, I've tried to say, we don't have a manual. We don't have a book. We have the Word of God. It's God's Word. God's Word plus nothing. God's Word minus nothing. It's the Word of God. That's what I've always been taught. That's what I've grown up in, NCMI. We believe the Word of God is essential and needed. But I have to say that often the Word of God has become a bunch of random promises. And when I read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, it's not just a bunch of random personal promises to us. It's actually the, it reveals the purpose and the plan of God. And you and I don't, I believe, have the right to claim the promises of God if we're not living in the purposes of God. Are you with me? Now, you're not going to get too many amens. I'm struggling already with clapping because I'm here, but now you're really quiet. But but don't, don't just hear me. Read the Bible. You see, the Word of God doesn't just have promises we can claim. It reveals, from Genesis to Revelation, it reveals the plan and the purpose of God. And I don't believe I, like you, have the right to claim the promises if I'm not walking in His purpose and His plan. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying this this morning is because I want to take us to a text, to a biblical reference that reveals something of what God's heart is from Scripture. I've got some great stories. The world is open again, and we've been traveling, and this year we've been on the road and getting into the countries and nations. I've got great stories, and, and I want to give you some of them and testimonies, but I want to tell you this. God's not watching over my stories. I can tell you some things I think should be happening in our nation and in the church, but we're not interested in what I have to say because, again, we're coming back to God's plan, God's purpose. What does God say in His Word? Rather, we think it might be, it could be said of, it's the Word of God that matters most. 
That's why I want to take us back to this and unpack just 10 verses in light of where you're at as a local church, where we're at as a church in this nation and the nations of the world, and what God's highlighting. And I ask you, please, this is not a formula. It's simple truth that we're going to unpack, but it matters this morning how we respond to what God is saying to us. You see, I love Jesus, and I love His church. Many people I've met who love the church but do not love Jesus. And I want to say this. You cannot love Jesus and not love His church. But you can love the church and not love Jesus. And so this morning while I talk about the church, I want to just reference and remind you again, the church is not the center of God's plan. Jesus is. But the church is central to God's plan. The church, can I just be straight up and say, is not about people. (laughs) The church is a people who are about Jesus. It's a big difference. If it's all about people, can I say, then it's only all about us. But as I read the Scriptures, this I want to tell you, it's us all about Him not all about us. And that's why we've got to keep coming back to God's Word. So the church is not the center of His plan, Jesus is, but He has the reality. You're going to struggle to see this and not find this in Scripture, that the church is central to His plan. And so while we talk about His church this morning, no, we're not the center of it, but we're central to it. God made it that way with all our issues and all our dramas and all our mess-ups and Let me just tell you many reasons I'm not God, but one of the main reasons, if I was God, is I would do it myself because people get in the way of everything God's trying to do. Forgive me. That's just fact. If I was God, I'd just do it and say, you watch me get it done and here we go. But he, in his wisdom and in his understanding and in his greatness, said, I'm going to pick, handpick people like you, like me, with imperfection, people with all their issues and dramas and baggage, and I'm going to use my people, the church, to be the center to it, but not the center of it. God doesn't have another plan for this nation or the nations. And, and I, I don't want to get political, but you can get mad at our government and you can vote and do all the good stuff we call to do. But this, I tell you, God's solution is not our government. God's solution is the church in this nation to impact this nation for what He's called us to. So I'm not going to fight you. You can get discouraged, and I'm discouraged by what's happening around the world, around our nation. But this, I tell you, as light shines brighter when the darkness gets darker. And it's getting darker if you read Scripture. And I'm not being negative. Why are we surprised by what's happening out there? And in it, we should not be getting caught up in that. We should be shining brighter as the people of God because Jesus has made it very clear through His church, we His people, the called out one, that's where the light's going to shine brighter. So I hope I haven't lost you yet, but here we go. I want to talk about favor and the focus of a favored church. And I get nervous when I, when I mention favor because as an American, and I don't sound like you, but I am an American. I'm, I'm, I'm more proud than most Americans to be an American. But I want to say this. When I mention that word in the church, we get a weird understanding on favor. You know, I, I know many people who ask for God's favor and then they turn around expecting favors from God. 
That's not favor. Can't say, God, give me your favor. Now I expect favors from you. That, that's not what we see in Scripture. So when I talk about favor, I'm not talking about that. I, I, I think it's a lot more than that. There's a big difference between saying, God, give me favor and God, do me a favor. God's favor, I believe, is simply this. It's the guarantee of His presence and the provision of His power to accomplish His purpose in and through our lives. The guarantee of His presence and the provision of His power to accomplish His purpose in and through our lives. Can I say, it's intended not for our convenience, but for His purpose. And it does not mean your life gets easier. In actual fact, it probably means it's going to get a little more difficult when you carry the favor of God. Are you there, friends? There is a favor on this church. We planted at a similar time to you, same, I think, kind of month almost, you guys a few weeks ahead of us, I think, when we planted our church down the street, you guys planted. And listen, there's a favor you've carried. I know you've been through seasons. I know it's been difficult. That's part of the seasons of serving God in all seasons. But there is a favor. God has given you a favor. And I want to just say, you can't earn the favor of God. If you think you can earn God's favor, it's not His favor. You've earned something that cannot be earned. Are you with me? So there is a favor and there's something in scripture. And, and as I read this, this about this Thessalonica church, it, it's, it's caught my attention again. It covers so many things, but it does help us understand that was a church that God seemed to favor in scripture. And we need to understand what was it about that church that God favored? Why did he favor them? I, I said, you can't earn favor, but I do believe we can contend and focus on the things from Scripture that would carry the favor of God whatever season we've called to be in. And so I want to just highlight a few from 10 verses, unpack them very quickly, and hopefully just help us to stay the course in this craziness. But also, if we're doing these things, keep doing them. If we're not, can I be bold enough to say, let's adjust as individuals who make up this local church and become more and more of what God has called us to be. Let's read together. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church in Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. He says, we always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continue to remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith. Now let me just pause for a moment and say what I've realized more and more through this crazy season is that fear rises in the absence of faith. Are you with me? Where there is an absence of faith, that's where people are gripped with fear. And I realize that this crazy season we've been in and maybe continue to be in has caused many, including us as the followers of Jesus, to begin to fear things. And when we have no faith, that's where fear grips us. And here's the thing I want to say about faith, can I, for a moment. Faith is not a feeling. One amen, I'll take it. Faith is true. It's got nothing to do with how you feel. Faith is wrapped up in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. He's the author and perfecter, the finisher, the pioneer of our faith. And so Paul writes to this church. Many people say to me, Chief, only 
we lived in Bible days, how much easier it would have been. And I want to say, have you ever read the Bible? Do you understand the context of the early church? Do you know the stuff you and I are doing here today would be locked up and imprisoned for what I'm saying to you this morning and for us gathering like this, it was not permitted in many of those places. Yet many of us say, gee, it's been so difficult. And it has, friends. But let me tell you, the early church faced a lot of stuff we've yet to face. And why I say that is because many of us are looking for the favor of God when it's convenient. And this church was birthed and planted. Not this church. The church we're reading about, the Thessalonica church, was birthed and planted in an opposition, in suffering, in people anti them. They were not welcome to plant a church there. They were hated. They were despised. It was difficult. There was huge opposition to that church being planted. So we can't say when things shift and it's easier, when things get easier, it's in any time God does whatever God wants to do. He's not looking for ease. He's looking for people of conviction who simply do what He says. And let me tell you, there's nothing convenient about the timings of God. And so we could read this and go, oh, if only. No, no, we're living today, but we can take those truths in our difficult season here in North America and in the U.S. of A. with all the craziness and say, in these moments, God still wants His church to thrive and He wants His church to be effective and have impact and touch and increase and extend the kingdom of God in everyday living. Right. It says, your work produced by faith. Then he highlights your labor prompted by love. I don't want to stay here, but I, it would seem that we lost our love for everyone, including anyone, <laughs> through this crazy season. We took each other out. We spoke badly about each other on Instagram and Facebook and social media. The church began to take each other out, and I'm part of this thing. And I, The causes got in the way of the great cause of the king, and we began to take each other out. And if I have the freedom to say this this morning, hopefully we've learned our lesson because whatever comes next, we best stick together. We best not act like the world and try and reach the world with the hate of what they were feeling. And we've got to actually love people who are not like us, who don't understand what we're about. Are you with me, friend? Paul writes to this church in opposition. And he says, your, faith, your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love. We've got to carry a heart of genuine love. Not when it's convenient, even when people oppose us and are anti us. That's what it means to be a believer today. And then he says, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first prior, the first thing that matters in all of this. I love how Paul writes to these believers. He doesn't say, you know, this church that Paul planted, it was birthed in three Sabbaths. Three weeks. Thirteen years, right? We've been going here. We've been going 13 years as well. Let me tell you, I think we're still trying to be established as a local church 13 years later. This church was established in three Sabbaths. Something about this church, not wow, he's a great man. He understood this is what matters. And he writes to this church and he says, your faith, not, not how, your endurance inspired by not your hope in me as the church planter Paul, but in Christ Jesus, your faith is in Jesus alone. And so I, 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 and you knew this was coming because this is all we've got to say is that our priority has to be, must be, Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that testament this morning, the, the word that lady brought, forgive me, I don't know your name, who got up and talked about in good and bad, he's worthy. 
In good and bad. I mean, friends, that is the anthem of the believers of today. In good and bad, he's worthy. And Paul writes, he says, your endurance inspired by your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning, how do you endure? We've seen so many people fall away in this crazy time. Fall away from God. Fall away from ministry. I know pastors who've fallen out of the I don't throw rocks at them. I'm saying, how is it that some of us do endure and others don't? It's got to come not to the ministry you carry, but to the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. How do you endure? How do you stay inspired? Where does your courage come from? Where does your hope come from? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. No one else is the same. We've all changed. Everybody's changing. We continue to change. Everything around us changes. But there's one who never changes. And and the reality for a church that carries God's favor, it has to understand that our hope and our anchor and our endurance is inspired in one and one only, Jesus Christ. And if our faith and hopes in anything, anyone, anyone other than Christ, you will never, ever finish the race God's called you to. You can do it your best. You will fail, my dear friends. We've seen it over and over again. You know what I have found? That our inheritance together is not just wrapped up in together, it's wrapped up in Jesus Christ. A lot of people look around. I'm grateful for some of the people I do know here, but there's a bunch of people I don't know, and I'm grateful for the partnership we have with this church. But this I want to tell you, even if you walked away from me, that's not the end of my inheritance, because my inheritance is not just wrapped up in the people around me. It's wrapped up in Jesus Christ, who never changes. And while we need each other, may I be bold enough to say we need Him more than each other. That's why put your faith in Jesus Christ. I keep saying the main thing is to keep the main one the main thing. Because if you make the main thing the main thing, it will always take the place of the main one being Jesus Christ. It's not a thing, it's a one, it's Jesus. I tell this story many times, Leonardo da Vinci, and I asked, I was in South Africa a couple of weeks back, and there was an artist, and I asked him, is this a true story? Because I've kind of, you know, it's kind of a myth, it works for the, the, the preach, and and I asked him, I said, yes, it is true. So I can stand here with real conviction this morning. And Leonardo da Vinci's painting, he's one of his no, number one painters, the one he's most known for. And I'm not an, I know very little about art, forgive me. But he, he, he painted the one of, of the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. You've seen that? It's like apparently took him, it's the crown of his paintings apparently. And, but they say the original painting does not look like this painting now. And the original painting they say is that that Jesus is the picture of Jesus' last supper sitting with his disciples. The original painting had a cup in the hand of Jesus. And before Leonardo da Vinci took that painting and made it public, he called a couple of his mates, his friends, to come and look at the painting. And they were mesmerized by the painting and wild by it, but they were particularly mesmerized by the, ha- the cup that was in the hands of Jesus. And they kept referencing this cup that they were drawn to when they looked at the picture. And eventually Leonardo da Vinci took his paintbrush and he painted over the cup. And his friend said to them, how can you do that? That's the attraction. That's what we're drawn to. And he said this, nothing must ever defect from the, the figure of Christ, distract from the figure of Christ. It's Christ is the center of this picture, not the cup in Jesus' hand. And I'm going to just tell us, church, us, we, 
We make the stuff He gives us the focus at the expense of the giver of the one who gave us the stuff. And I want to just say, let those hands be empty and look at the figure of Jesus. He's the one that matters most in all things. I I went back and I read the book of Revelation. I've been studying through the book of Revelation again. And you know, again, in Revelation 2, it's one of the most troubling stories for me where Jesus appears to these churches and he's talking about these seven churches and he highlights some radical stuff and, and he talks about, but he comes to the church in Ephesus. And you know the story. And he says, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles that are not and found them false. I mean, that to me is a great church. I want to be a part of that church. He says, you've persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height for which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You've done all the stuff for me. But in the stuff you did for me, you forgot about me. Are you listening, church? In that picture, the cup and all that. No, no, don't forget the figure that matters most. And guess what I want to just say to us? He is our reason. And I think we catch that more and more. And my thing on this thing of Lordship, Jesus, Lord of all. And yes, I think the church has got back to the reason. But He's not just our reason. Please hear this. He's also our reward. We can get on with the stuff for him because he's the reason. But don't forget, he doesn't want to just be Lord. He also wants to be your first love. I think he's taken lordship back in the church and I'm delighted. But I don't know if we're serving just a Lord without understanding he's also your great reward. You don't just get more stuff. You get more of him. That's what matters most. And I believe that's something of what Paul was writing to this church and saying, hey guys, don't forget, it's Jesus. And I think too many, I've watched and listened, too many are trying to shine their lights publicly. But we don't burn for Him privately. We see Him as Lord, but we're not actually seeing Him as your great reward. Can I say when you go to Him, don't go to Him for more stuff. Go to God for more of God. Because he wants to reveal himself more and more in what we're being called. Are you with me? Sick? Uh, let's read on. He says, verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God that he has chosen you. Second point, second highlight. The priority is Jesus. Second highlight is our position. It's unconditional. We, we, he says, brothers, love, or sisters as well. Brothers and sisters, loved by God that he has chosen you. Let me just tell you about this love he talks of. It's unconditional and unchanging. If we're going to carry the favor of God in Pack Rock Church, please hear this. You've got to settle your position. He loves you, not because you came to church today, not because you give, not because you sing. Not he just loves you, period. Unconditional, unchanging. It doesn't change when you don't do well. You see, I've got three sons. Nicole and I have three sons. And let me tell you this. I love my sons unconditionally. 
with conditions. Come on, parents. Get honest. Oh, yeah, I love my kids. But you do love them more when they do what you want them to, when they represent you better. There are conditions with my unconditional love. But that's not the Father's love. He loves us unconditionally. And somehow we've got to shift from earthly thinking to understanding that again. Because you can't give what you haven't got. You can't go out there and show the love of God if you don't experience the love of God. You can't carry the favor of God if you're not understanding. He loves you. And not only does He love you, He's chosen you. (laughs) See, therapeutic Christianity says, I am valuable, so God loves me. Biblical Christianity says, I am valuable, because God loves me. Shift your thinking. And, and again, I don't want to stay here too long, but that matters. And so if we're going to carry the favor of God, Paul says, you're loved and you're chosen. Be it and do it. Just be it. Rather than always have to do it to prove, just go be. He loves you and he chooses you. How awesome is that? Verse 5, he says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words. Please hear that. It doesn't say it didn't come with words. Are you there? Some people say, it's all of spirit, others are all word. No, he said, it didn't just come with word, but word was there. He didn't say, we didn't bring word, we just brought spirit. He said, not just word, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake, for your name's sake. And so the third kind of focus we've got to contend for and continue in is this thing of power. Now, I think, I'm trying to remember, I think the last time I preached, I was trying to remember when it was. Forgive me, I should know that. But I, I believe I spoke around the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want to stay here long, but I, I want to say this, friend. The Holy Spirit's not an optional extra for deluxe Christianity. We don't discuss the subject and move on. Let me tell you this. It's word and power. And if you're going to carry the favor of God, which this church has been called to, and you want to contend for it, you're going to understand it's word and spirit. I've said this about people, I think, in our nation, and the biggest hindrance or challenge, or uh, the biggest restriction to the word of God is not those who directly oppose it. There are many in our nation who don't believe the word of God is true. They're not the most dangerous threat to the word of God. More dangerous are those of us who claim to believe it, but are ignorant to what it really says. We're more dangerous to the threat of the Word of God when we claim to believe it, but we actually have no idea what it really says. And it's a challenge to pastors, to leaders, but also to individuals to go to the Word of God for yourself. And best you don't listen to others. Read the Word of God for yourself. Because many today are being duped into believing a whole lot of rubbish. Hold on. Good people, I think. Saying good stuff, I think but wrong stuff when I read the Bible. The churches begin to tolerate all this craziness because we're going to be more attractive to a generation rather than stick true to the Word of God. I'm just telling you, you better know what you believe and at best be the Word of God. Don't be ignorant and say, I believe the Bible, but you don't know what it says. It's your Word, His Word to you, not just Mark and the preachers. You get to read the Bible. Best you read it and ask God to show you. What the Bible says. Can I say the best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God. Scripture is the best interpretation of Scripture. Not anti, I've done all the biblical, but I'm just telling you the Bible explains the Bible best. Best you go to the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about the Bible. You with me? 
But also when it comes to the Word of God, I think we're ignorant to what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And I, I gave you these stats, I believe, last time, but a recent study shows that while a majority of American self-identified Christians believe that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and the creator of the universe, more than half of American Christians reject the existence of the Holy Spirit. This was September 2021 from uh, Arizona Christian University did a re- that study. And the majority, more than half, of the Christians of this nation deny that the Holy Spirit even exists. Now, I'm not pointing fingers. Maybe you're not that, but don't become that. But it's because we're ignorant or we've been taught. Or, can I just be honest, because there's a lot of unknowns about the Holy Spirit. We'd rather just put Him aside and focus on God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit stuff. Forget it. I'm just going to tell you, you can't forget the Holy Spirit because He's not an optional extra. He's part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if He was just a blessing like many present, then we get to choose whether we want the blessing. But the Bible does not say He's a blessing. The Bible says He is God. So what will we do with God the Holy Spirit? We need power. We need power. The Holy Spirit is not a blessing. He's God. Philip Philip Yancey said this, a society that denies the supernatural usually ends up elevating the natural to supernatural status. Our nation would reject supernatural, but I think the church also has. And when you reject the supernatural, you know what happens? You begin to take natural gifts, people, and put them at supernatural status. Why do you think the church is such a mess? Because we're honoring gifts above the spirit the, the, the natural takes the place of the supernatural. Are, are you okay, friends? Let that not happen at Impact Rock Church. You and I need the supernatural, the understanding. We cannot deny the reality of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, six. it's not by might. Today, we still think it is. How big's this church? If it gets bigger, we can be more impactful. God was saying, it's not to, 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 uh, to uh, um, King... Uh, uh, King Cyrus, he was saying to King Cyrus, it's not by might, it's not by the size of your people. How many people you have is not, not going to do it. So I'm not saying we don't want to grow, but just stop thinking when you're bigger you can do something. It's never going to be big enough, God said. Not by might, nor by power. What was he saying? By your position as king is not going to get the job done. So your people and your position is not enough. But by my spirit. You can be 10,000 in this room and still not be enough. You can be three and be enough if it's by His Spirit. Are you there, friend? I think it seems that much of the church today is dominated by the Spirit of this age rather than the Spirit of Christ. And we've got to come back to my Spirit. Not the Spirit of this age, not the Spirit of the church. The Spirit of Christ is what's got to grip us again. The early church... Spirit-filled, Spirit-moved, Spirit-sent, and Spirit-led. Let's come back to that. Can I just land with this this point? There's a couple more. But we don't need to activate the Holy Spirit, okay? Please hear me. I understand, but you're wrong if you think that. God doesn't need activation. We don't need to invite Him. And I understand that, because I used to teach that too, because we need to make room for Him. But He doesn't need an invitation. My Bible says He's here. doesn't need it. Who are we to invite God? God's here. He invites us. To him, we don't invite him to us. 
Even in worship, can I just say, let's get it right. We don't call God to worship. He calls us to worship Him. When we come in, we don't make room for Him. He makes room for us and says, come on in. And He's not this genie that we rub this little uh, teapot and boom, there's the genie pops out. Now we got God. No, no, He calls us to Him. We worship Him. He doesn't appear when we begin to worship. Am I making sense? It's just, we've got to break this mindset. And I understand, hey, we've got to invite Him here. But He's here. He invites us to Him. Let's recognize that. So we don't have to activate God, the Holy Spirit. We don't have to invite Him. You know what we need to do? Honor Him. And you might sit here this morning and say, gee, I, I kind of want some of the spiritual things, but I'm not sure about the unusual. And I get that. But it's kind of like saying, I want to swim, but I don't want to get wet. You're going to get wet, all right? There is some unusual. Let's move on. Verse 6. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcome the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. A pattern. You know, I know that many Bible colleges say we should exclude the book of Acts and it's wonderfully convenient not to. It's in the Bible. It's the Word of God. We need the book of Acts. And I'm so grateful. When I grew up, my dad was into the... He was against... Like he, he did what his Bible college told him not to do and he went and thank God we're living in some of the freedom we are because he was contending for that. But, but he always used to say we need to go back to the book of Acts. And you know, the book of Acts was the early church, the baby church. When will we grow up enough, forgive me, as the church, to stop only having to go back to the baby church and go, if only we could get back to some of that. Why, 2,000 years later, can't we be a growing up church who's growing up and we can be an example so we don't have to just look at the book of Acts and go, oh, if only. We can look at Impact Rock Church individuals and say, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus today. That's what it means to be a bunch of people together serving God's plan and purposes of all different cultures and ages. But, but I want to tell you, God wants this congregation, this church to be people we can point to, not as sinners, but as believers and say, that is a model, not the model, a model of the early church being lived out today. I, I, I prophesy, that's what the Lord wants for you in this room. That others can look around and say, that's what it means. It doesn't mean grow up. It means come back to the Word of God. And you know, many of you in this great nation, forgive me, we need more Christian government. We need more Christian schools. We need more Christian businesses. We need more Christian songs. We need more Christian businesses. We need more Christian teachers. We need, and that's true. But can I say more than all that? We need more Christian Christians. awesome to say we need more of them. No, no, we need more of us to be Christians. That's what we need. So people can look at you and say, that's what it means to be a born-again believer, living out this New Testament revelation, being a follower of Jesus in community with a whole bunch of people that are not like me, but we can be this. And that's what I believe is what was said of that early church. It should be, could be, must be said of Impact Rapture Church. You carry the favor of God where you are a example. Not the example, a example. Verse 8. Verse 8. This is this. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. 
a church that proclaims. Do you know there was no way they were going to receive the gospel and they had no intention of keeping it to themselves. The Thessalonica church, as they received the gospel, you know what they did? They began to declare it. It rang out. It was not a message they held on to. It was a message they declared wherever they went. Friend, we can get evangelists. I have them on my team. I can get them to come to your church and make you feel bad and stir you up and say, come on. Or we can just catch the revelation. No, seriously. Whenever I hear an evangelist, I feel bad. And I'm like, oh, I, I, what are we doing in this meeting? We should be, they all going to hell while we all sit, you know, the whole... But I want to tell you, we don't need evangelists to come make us feel bad if we grip by the understanding of what the gospel is and how he saved us. And it's got to ring out because we can't hold on to what we've been given. From the beginning, they functioned as a going and sending people. They were apostolic, not by teaching, by revelation. When they received, they just went and sent and the gospel rang out and their faith had become known everywhere. I've said this, and I know it's offensive, but the early church functioned like a lifeboat, but it seems like the church today is functioning like the love boat. Where we just kind of inward, our little social gatherings. Our, and I'm, God didn't put us here to hang out with each other. God put us here to help people find Jesus. And, and it's important that we connect together. But friends, it's not this inward, holy huddle stuff. We're not the love boat. We are a rescue boat. The lifeboat. People out there are dying and they need Jesus. They really do. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. The church is not the goal of the mission. The church is the agent for the mission. We don't send people. We are sent. We don't send. We are sent. Live sent. Be sent. Go where God's called you to go. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, I will not believe that you have tasted of the honey of the gospel if you can eat it all by yourself. You cannot have eaten of this, uh, the honey if you're eating it all by yourself. It's got to be for other people. Uh, A.B. A. Simpson, let me read this. He says, The believer that is bound by their own horizon and the church that lives simply for itself is bound to die a spiritual death and sink into stagnancy and corruption. We never can thank God enough for giving us not only a whole gospel to believe, but a whole world to give it to. If you're about your horizons or our inward, we're going to end up losing everything. However, we've been given this incredible gospel to believe in, but a whole world to go and give it to. That's the joy of the gospel that is given us. And so I want to just keep challenging and say this. The nearer you get to Jesus, the more missional you become. You can't walk with him and care nothing about people around us. The, no, the more I walk with Jesus, the more he's the priority and the focus, the more I care about the regions, the cities, and the nations, and the unreached nations. And when some of us sit here and say, America's in such a mess, we need to reach here. But there's also others who've never had the privilege of denying the gospel because they've never heard the gospel. And you can't just say, well, we'll pray for them because the Bible doesn't say pray. It says go and reach them. No amens there. Okay, that's cool. I'm just telling you. I, 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 we're talking about the plans of God. Give me the promises, Lord. Bless me and hold me and bless me. But actually, the plans of God is take my gospel everywhere and I'll bless you. Not I'll bless you, then do what you want. Are, are you there? Genesis to Revelation. Read it. 
God's in reconciliation, bringing men and women back to him. That's when Jesus will come back. Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Do you know that's not a command? The command comes in Matthew 28. That's not the commission. It's a promise. He promises that this gospel will be preached everywhere. Then he will come. And I want to just tell you, in this room, you have a role to play. Every person has a role to play in this gospel, going everywhere, so Jesus can come back. And I'll end with this. Therefore, he says, we do not need to say anything about it. Verse 9, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn from God, from idols to serve the living and true God. Verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath perspective, waiting for the return of Jesus. See, eternity gripped the early church. They believed Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And you know what? He didn't. But they believed and look how they lived. See, I believe Jesus is coming back in our lifetime. And I want to tell you, we're 2,000 years closer than them. It's likely He can. It's likely He will. And if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. If I'm right, well, I think it matters a lot. So I want to live my life daily with eternity in mind rather than settle down. And we've come out of this crazy season where people began to question eternity, right? COVID got us all to, wow, what's this all about? But as things became a little, or now nothing's normal, but there's a little more normality. and People are back to their own lives. And I'm just telling you, church, God wants His people to be understanding about eternity. Eternity is forever. And here's what I've realized, and I do this too, that for too long we've said this, if you die tonight... Where will you spend eternity? And that's a big deal. That's a huge question because how you answer that has ramifications forever. Some people say to me, oh, I believe that heaven, that hell will end. Like one day it does end. And I want to just tell you, then Jesus lied. And if Jesus lied, he's not Jesus. The same word he used for eternal, heaven is forever, so is hell. Same word. So if you want to say, well, then heaven's got to end too, if hell's going to end. No, it's forever. Eternity means ever. Eternal flames. Eternity is forever. So I'm, I, but we've only left it there and said, if you die tonight, where will you spend eternity? Well, that's a big deal. But let me tell you, more likely for you who are believers here this morning, if you wake up tomorrow as a believer, who or what will you live for? It is as important as if you die tonight, where will you spend eternity? And we highlight the death, and I want to highlight the Life, we've been given destiny and purpose and God uses us, not on Sundays, every day, not on your day, every day. And we've got to come back to this being captivated by eternity. What we do in this life echoes into the next. This life is the dress rehearsal for next. So I want to ask you, if you wake up tomorrow, more than likely most of you will, what or who will you live for? If you caught up with Jesus and eternity, then my friends, whether it's big or small, in whatever you're involved in, it matters, it has significance because you're living for something greater than yourself. And you know what God does? He favors a people who are not here for themselves. He favors a people who are about His plans and His purposes. Can we pray? Is that okay, Ma?
You guys are right? You're quiet? You're just normally like that? Or is it the rain? Or is it me? I'm not saying get loud, but you are Americans. We are loud Americans, just so you know, usually. But uh, just close your eyes. I, I'm not trying to get all weird here. Yeah, maybe if you can. Mark, can she just play? Is that all right? I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Give me two more minutes. Is that okay? And then I'll hand back to Mark. Just, just for a moment, pause. Just think. Just let, let, let's just wait for a moment. Not on what I've said, on what God has said through His Word. See, I think we're very good at hearing and then going back to our own thing. God wants us to wait, weigh it up. Not do you agree with this, because I think the majority of us, if we believe us, say we do. Because it's the Bible. But what will you do with what God has said? God never talks about just hearing, it's obeying. The difference between the wise builder and the foolish builder was not in the hearing, it was in the doing. Building a house on the rock was simply because you did what I said. Building a house on the sand was simply hearing and not doing. And I realize that in this room, we're all in very different places. But God knows where you're at. But there's a favor that God has given, not earned, just given. And if you contend for these and focus on these things as individuals, not just as a gathering, as individuals who make up Impact Rock Church, I believe you'll carry more of God's favor. And surely that's what we want, the favor of God. His presence and His power to serve His purpose in everyday life. Maybe your faith has been shaken. You know why? Because your faith's been in someone other than Jesus. This morning it's back to this revelation. Endurance inspired by my hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Get your focus back on Jesus. Not in good times and in bad times. We heard that this morning. Not on Sundays, every day. Throw your anchor into the unchanging one because here's the promise. Everything else is changing, will change. That's what happens. But we have one who does not change. And it can't be based on your friend based on the pastors or the leaders or this church. It's your walk with Jesus. So come back to that revelation this morning. For you here, maybe you're struggling with this thing of loved and chosen. You're still a performer. Must do this to prove myself. The Lord says, stop proving, just be. You're loved and chosen. Unconditional. No conditions to unconditional. does he love you he chose you how awesome is that loved and chosen not based on who you're married to or who you're not married to or who you were married to or not on your history based on simply he would have come just for you I believe that wholeheartedly I really believe that if Jesus if I was the only person on this planet I believe Jesus would have come just for me because while he came for the multitudes he came for the individuals if he would have just come for me, then he would have just come for you. That's how much you matter. Not because you're here this morning, because you're alive. And he made you in his image. And you can't go and tell the world that if you don't believe that for yourself. Just let him break into your moment, into your life now. Just, just find the pleasure of God again. He loves you. And he chose you. Loved and chosen. 
Maybe this thing on the Holy Spirit and the whole power thing, and you've had some bad experience, which I'm sure we all have, I have. You can trust God the Holy Spirit. He's not an experience, although you can experience Him. He's God. You can trust Him. There's no longer thinking about it. We now need to move into more of His presence and power because that's what the people in this nation need to see, the power of God revealed through His people. There's room for you to receive more of His Spirit. Trust Him. call you out. I'm not going to ask you to respond. You respond to your father. He's your father as much as he's mine. You don't need me to pray for you. You talk to your father. But just let there be a moment of deep work so we can walk from this place believing and have changed as we've received what he wants to give in us. There's a favor, more favor that he has for you. But there are adjustments and focus. We get so busy and distracted. Focus. Don't just look forward. Look up. Look up. already done so just open up dialogue with the Lord just asking for clarity on on his purpose on the things that, that he desires that that you be walking out that you're not walking out right now what are the things he wants us to cling to right now that we're not clinging to right now Tyron, thank you, Nicole. Thank you guys for being here. And um, we, we so value our, our relationship, our friendship, our partnership, but just being encouraged and, and strengthened in the ways that 
uh, you've just consistently pointed us to Jesus, and thank you for doing so today. Uh, I know we have uh, mid-service prayer where, where we can kind of go to the side if you need ministry, but uh, here at the close of the service, if you need prayer, if you need ministry for anything, um, we'd love to pray for you uh, after the service as well. So just come on up, and there'll be people here to, to pray with you. Um, yeah. I'll leave us with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have have a great week and have a purposeful week. All right, we'll see you guys next Sunday.